My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. prolific and iconoclastic inventor of the 20th century, a man who inspired radio, robots, radar, and the minds of millions of aspiring young acolytes, who push yet even further past the boundaries of known science, and after years in a relative state of obscurity, his work remains impactful long enough to be met by a generation with the means to break the mold yet again. Although not Nikola Tesla, today's guest Tom Palladino joins me, Mystic Mark, here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast to discuss the unlimited potential of scalar energy. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this conversation with Tom Palladino.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And today we have a very special guest, someone who is taking science beyond its limits and in a way that might have, well, stupendous results for everyone, particularly people who may be victim to certain ailments. And this is not some kind of new thing. This may be at the base of all energy at the base of the life force at the base of of our solar system our sun Mm -hmm. we're talking about scalar energy today with tom paladino tom welcome to the show how are you today all is well thank you for the invitation sir thank you wonderful wonderful it's it's an honor to have you here because this is a subject that we really haven't had a chance to get into much on this show and it's something that uh, obviously connects in literally figuratively to every aspect of, of what we see around us. So if you would tell us a little bit about how you got interested or introduced to scalar energy and where this began. Well, what really fired my imagination was Nikola Tesla. Tesla was working with scalar energy instruments. And I, at a young age, I came to the conclusion that this was free energy. Even Tesla remarked that this was free energy from the cosmos. So I've always wanted to pursue that path. And to to make this very clear, it's very simple. There's two energies in the universe. We have scalar energy, what some people call ohm or pyramid energy, and then you have electromagnetic energy. It's that simple. It's that cut and dry. And I prefer to use work with scalar energy, it offers such great prospect. Scalar energy is so, it it commands nature. And in so doing, with a scalar energy instrument, you can do so much more as opposed to an electrical instrument. We'll get into that. I'll explain what I mean. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it, it definitely reminds me of Tesla, the, the idea that we could be using these energy waves that are inherent to, you know, however we're going to term this, this matrix that we're in, this is the reality, you know, and scientists for the most part, academia has this sort of, well, we'll call it scientific materialist point of view that things are sort of dead matter and, and slowly they're, they're growing out of that perspective. But it's definitely left this sort of research in the dark. And that's fascinating to hear that Tesla was a inspiration for you, the great Nikola Tesla. Now, when it comes to these scalar lights, I mean, people may have heard of like scalar weapons before. Tell, explain to us what scalar energy is, because it, yeah. as far as I know, it has applications. It does. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So scalar energy, let's start from the ground zero. It's energy from the sun and the stars. It's free energy. This is what Tesla saw. This is the great prospect that I see. So when we are speaking about this cosmic force, it is cosmic. And obviously it's going to come, it'll it'll originate from the cosmos. And this is, as far as I'm concerned, the life force energy. It really is the animating force behind everything. Whereas electricity and magnetism is only a subset. So if we look at the the universe and we ascertain how does the universe function, what what are the the laws of nature? Well, 
there are really two laws of nature, scalar laws and electromagnetic laws. And it is my point that scalar energy is the primary energy of the universe. So this is the energy that we really should behold into. This is the energy that we want to pay attention to. Well, scalar energy is able to, to assemble or disassemble matter. Tesla was able to illuminate light bulbs at a distance with scalar energy. He actually built a scalar energy car, and that car ran on cosmic energy. Imagine that. You don't have a combustion engine. Tesla took out the combustion engine out of a car, and he, he operated the car off of the ambient energy, the radiant energy of the sun and the stars. Well, as you well know, Mark, we're in the grips of an energy crisis, amongst other things. And what if everybody would have gone back to, to, to that invention of Tesla, and our cars would not consume petrol, gasoline, our, our cars would operate freely off of the energy, the cosmic forces of the universe. Well, that would have been a different world. And I'd like to revisit that world. That's the point of my research. I'd like to go back and I'd like to reinvent many of Tesla's inventions. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, I've heard of a car invented by Tesla and often they, they call... <laughs> this car sort of like a radio wave powered device is this the same maybe this is a misunderstanding of the term radio because there are waves going around yeah. the planet that the radio yeah. signals operate through but that's not maybe the most appropriate way of describing the car was that the same scalar powered car this yeah. what they called radio powered perhaps perhaps i'm going to describe what i've read what is common knowledge now tesla had a car that he was operating actually in Buffalo, New York. And purportedly, he took out the combustion engine, and he simply had an antenna that captured this radiant energy, this ambient energy. And the car was silent in operation. So what am I getting at? There's no moving parts. There's no combustion. And if that's, if that's an indication of a free energy car, I think it is. And from what I understand, silent in operation, but the car could accelerate quite readily. There, there was no pinging or docking because there was no combustion of, of fuel. If, if that story is accurate, then indeed, Tesla had a free energy. If he did it, then we can re-engineer and we can once again revisit his work and then reincorporate many of these inventions. I think your audience is onto this, that many of his inventions were were undermined. Many of his inventions were never brought to the light of day. Mm, yeah, absolutely. No, there's clearly a, a sort of shut and closed situation there where they immediately shut him down and close him off. I mean, he had some time to operate, but I think they were sort of operating from outside, you know, close mm. enough to monitor him, but also close enough to maybe stop him from being successful. And, and yeah, it's yeah. sort of a, at least we're told, a tragedy the way he he left the world. Yes. You know, yes. and, and uh, apparently a lot of those technologies he was working on fell into the hands of none other than President Donald Trump's uncle, John G. Trump, who I forget his position exactly, but I know he was an MIT guy, so... Very mm -hmm. interesting that MIT and the Ivy League would grab all of those inventions. And it doesn't surprise me that they wouldn't let anyone in on, on what right. exactly was there. 
Right, right. Thank you. Exactly. So perhaps this is just for the elites. I don't know. I'm not in a position to mention that. But, mm. you know, let's, let's look at Tesla's work. He brought the world to AC electricity. And that he was very much instrumental in changing the world, you know, electrifying the world. Later in his life, he saw that there was a better energy, scared energy. He called it radiant energy. Nikola Tesla called it radiant energy. And for all practical purposes, it was free energy. He did not, later in his life, he was no longer creating power stations. He was creating antennas that would capture the power. So he, he went from a motive force, some type of engine, some type of turbine, some type of armature, to a motionless instrument, motionless. Well, where's the motion coming from, right? Where, where's the kinetic energy? It's coming from the stars. That's, that's rather apparent. Right. Right. And if, if we're looking at the emanations of the sun, you have to imagine just based on what we know about botany that the sun and these scalar waves are incredibly powerful. I mean, if I'm correct, there are certain species of plants that only grow under moonlight, which is the sun's mm -hmm. energy reflected off the surface of the moon and mm -hmm. then back onto the earth. And if it's, you know, going through that, you know, journey, you know, one step reflecting and then back here, you know, that's quite an amazing energy we're looking at, you know, yeah. it's quite powerful. Yeah. Isn't it profound what, what, what we've learned? Isn't it absolutely profound that, that we've come full circle and we realize that energies, this fundamental force, is responsible for so many things. I say it's responsible for everything. And, and this life force energy, once again, they're synonymous terms with scale energy, life force energy, chi, pyramid energy, zero point energy. That, that is the, the, really the quintessence. That is the very perfection of, of this universe, which is massless, perfect light available anywhere in the universe that transcends time and space. What am I describing? I'm describing consciousness. Imagine that. Tessa was tapping into consciousness. I firmly believe he was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes sense. There was that recent, yeah. I think it was Aubrey Marcus who did this sort of like 50 days or something in darkness. I don't know. And it makes sense that they would torture people with that because our sun is, you know, this giant ball of consciousness in a certain sense i mean it literally is the basis of all life and the energy that we you know operate off of and it, if you look back far enough in artwork the sun was always depicted as a consciousness you know and had a face in a lot of cases right and that were yes. they at least was respected as such and you know in this sort of scientific materialist mute worldview they they see the sun as this you know oh well it can explode it could cause you know destruction from a flare and all this stuff and it really makes you wonder how you know backwards that type of thinking is and and how much progress we could make <laughs> if there were more folks like yes. you thinking forward uh -huh. with the sun's energy and how we can utilize i mean scalar waves it's not just the sun it, it's Scalar energy is the basis of, of, of all energy. Is that correct? Am I? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So what I've discovered and, and my predecessor, a man by the name of Hieronymus discovered is that 
the initial energy of the universe is scalar energy, and that electricity and magnetism are simply a subset. So what am I getting at? The stars, the sun, produces initially the primary energy is always scalar energy. And therefrom, we have, a, if you will, a conversion with, with that of electricity. Well, why don't we go back to the primary energy of the universe, scalar energy, the energy that powers everything. Why, why are we dealing with a, a secondary energy that's quite inferior, which is electricity? Now, there are many people out there that are beginning to realize this. But you, you see that there's a pushback in the industry. There's a pushback in, in, uh, in certain economies of scale, in certain economic orders that do not want free energy. So it's the future is going to be quite interesting. And always, progress always wins out, but it takes time. Mm, right. Now, we talked about maybe the vehicular applications of this energy, but it's that's sort of reducing it down to only one of its potential capabilities. I mean, one of the more really profound possibilities is, is that this scalar energy can reorganize our health, our mental health, our spiritual health, I mean, literally our our physical health on the molecular level. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So everything in the universe, everything involves instructions, action. And I've always considered whether it's molecular coherence, atomic coherence, everything in the world requires some type of animating force to instruct and to maintain. Well, what I've seen with my instruments and that of my predecessor, a man by the name of Hieronymus, a scalar energy instrument is responsible for the molecular bonds. In the 90s, when I was I had an understudy with this family, the Hieronymus family that was inventing scalar energy instruments, the family used to refer to this as binding energy. The binding energy is none other than the molecular bonds, atomic bonds that hold together matter. And back in the 90s, it was demonstrated to me through these scalar energy instruments that it was easy to negate the molecular bonds and change a physical form into smaller particles or smaller physical forms. Now, this did not take a lot of energy or, or heat. This did not take brute force. It was just a, a, a simple calibration of a scalar energy instrument. So what am I saying to the audience? This is alchemy. This is transmutation. The ability to change one physical form into another physical form almost effortlessly through the application of energy or the application of intelligence. And that caught my eye back in the 90s to the point now that I've developed a wellness program around that in which I can take what is harmful, and with a scalar energy instrument, I can break down harmful toxins or harmful microbes. We break down those toxins or those microbes into smaller particles, smaller physical forms, and the, the offending agent, the offending agent or the infectious agent ceases to exist. So to, to review that matter, in summation, a scalar energy instrument can change physical forms and do so quite effortlessly. Wow. Now, this is, this is reaching a, a level of you know, theoretical quantum physics that's far outside of my knowledge base. So forgive me if I 
am inaccurate with any of my questions or statements, but um, if my understanding is correct, there's a certain, I guess, for lack of a better term, quantum nature to the way these scalar waves work. For instance, you take a photograph of a person and you you project scalar energy onto that photograph and that can actually affect uh, a person that person in the photograph at, in yes. physical space it, it would assimilate to their you know unique i guess appearance and and find you know quantumly a replica of that in theory is that what we're looking at here yeah yeah Let, let's let's describe it in these terms yeah Please, you're right yeah. a photograph is nothing short of a bilocated version of a person. A photograph carries a, a light signature. A fo any photograph of a person, an animal, an object, is a representation of that person on paper, on, on some type of film, that represents that person in the quantum field now. So light energy is represented on, on film or on a piece of paper. And this is how my instrument works. Whether it's a film or a piece of paper, my instrument can look at a photograph of a person, can read, can ascertain that person and who that person is, and then find that person, send energy to that person by photographic recognition. Now, obviously, we have cell phones that we can find one another. There's a signal to my phone that will ping. And we can find, if you will, a GPS unit can find a particular location, so to speak. Well, this is what my instrument can do. It's a universal satellite. And with a person's photograph, this energy will, will locate a person, regardless of where they're at, anywhere in the world. So this is the characteristic of scalar energy. It's this all-knowing energy. And the only only requirement that I need to find a person is to have a photograph of that person. That's tremendous. Wow. Now, you mentioned this at the beginning of this conversation that it's synonymous with pyramid power. And there's there's a few things that go along with that that term pyramid power. I mean, there's folks who recreate the shape of a pyramid using different materials. But I was just speaking with arguably one of the you know, experts in the field on the pyramid, Dr. Joseph Farrell, and he is convinced that the pyramid was able to generate these tremendous amounts of energy that resembled, to his knowledge, sound or a mm -hmm. cer certain frequency. And I'm wondering if this is sort of synonymous or harmonious with your understanding of scalar energy and, and maybe the pyramid at Giza, the Great Pyramid, being used for that purpose. You know, obviously the military has created scalar weaponry, so we know it's possible to weaponize this energy force. But you think something like that possibly occurred with the Great Pyramid at Giza? I would say many of the pyramids of antiquity are scalar energy capacitors. Now, many times you'll see anomalies around these pyramids. Why? Because it's a scalar energy vortex. It's, it's really predominantly scalar energy around the pyramids, and especially inside the pyramid. Many times people will say that if they venture close to a pyramid or they have a compass in their hand, the compass will not perform. Why? Because there's a strong scalar energy force field around a pyramid that will 
offset the cardinal points on a compass, so to speak. Because in, in a scalar energy force field, you don't recognize north and south because everything is transcended by time and space. Anyway, there are, there are many what, what would be considered anomalies in and around a, a pyramid that do not that do not match up to Newtonian physics. Why? Because it's not Newtonian physics that powers a pyramid. It's not electricity and magnetism. Pyramids, those that have been designed with this incredible architecture, are scalar energy vortices. There are scalar energy capacitors. Now, if, if that technology exists, and it does, and it's been staring us in the face for thousands of years, then we have to, if you will, go back and ascertain why. Why were the pyramids built? What is the purpose here? How do the pyramids harness scalar energy? And it, it, it's my belief that, again, many of those pyramids are capacitors, are simply reservoirs for scalar energy. So there are many mysteries here. I really don't have time. We don't have time to elaborate on all of them. But I think Tesla knew that. Many times when Tesla was building his, his tower, his Wardenclyffe Tower in Long Island, New York, he apparently wanted to use some type of water system below his tower. He was close to the water, and it's believed that the pyramids and Cheops were close to water in the, in the River Nile, so that, and somehow that abundance of water served to potentiate or amplify the scalar wave. So much to revisit here, much to think about, but we're finally on the right path simply by con concluding that there's two energies. Now that we realize that there's two energies, it's so much easier. Besides electricity and magnetism, many times we were, we were, if you will, try to fit the square peg in the round hole. Now we're not doing that. Now we realize that there's two energies, and hence we have to factor in scalar energy and its, its eloquence into our, into our scientific theorems. Absolutely. And if these pyramids, as you say, are all scalar capacitors, then, you know, here's a huge reason smacking us in the face. Literally, these huge stone monuments, monolithic, huge pyramids, you know, there's no, we have no excuse to, to not be exploring this realm yeah. of physics. Yeah, that's a good point. We have no no. Excuse, but but to look into that, you're absolutely right. And this this is you know hopefully my conversation today will spur people to to really take a good look at these pyramids or or to the work of let's say Nikola Tesla more recently the work of Nikola Tesla, and then to start saying to yourself, well, you know this has been accomplished before. Why aren't we doing this? Right. I want to make this very clear to the audience. My work, I want to help people. What's the point of my work? What's the point of working for a lifetime as I've worked? It's to advance society. That's that's the key here. That's the purpose of research, to help people. Mm, right. Now, obviously, uh, something like a, a Wardenclyffe Tower or even a Great Pyramid or smaller pyramids are a tremendous undertaking. I imagine you're not, you know, building, you know, huge no. <laughs> structures. Right. There are ways to generate scalar energy without such huge structures, right? Yeah. And how how yes. would how would one 
go about understanding this instrument? Because one thing that comes to mind with the pyramids is their location is important. So is that, is that just because of the, the buildings? I mean, are these instruments specific to their location as well? Yeah, good point. No, uh, I've had my instruments in various locations, and uh, I don't see any enhancement from one location to another. So it seems, thank God, I don't have to be geolocated. You're, you're right. You know, when Tessa was building Wardenclyffe on Long Island, it, it became apparent to me and other people that he needed the underground water. He needed some type of aquifer system to power provide power to the scalar energy tower and apparently water is a good absorber if you will water will will capture a great deal of scalar energy well i don't use water thank god i don't have to in any way capture a, a water bed or I'd be close to a water table so uh, to speak to your point you have to miniaturize you know, when I, when I started this journey, I said to myself, my goodness, everything I do, I have to be able to fit this on a table, on a workbench, so to speak. I said, if, if I can't scale down, there's no way I can afford to do this. You know, when Tessa was building up his towers in Long Island and Colorado Springs, his towers alone were 150 feet tall. And he was using a copper, a, a copper ball. To, to capture or amplify this, this energy. Well, imagine, imagine the construction of those towers again. To duplicate them, that'd be, frankly, tens of millions of dollars with all the, the, the accoutrements that would be needed. So my instrument fits on a workbench, and it's no more than six or seven feet long. And with that in mind, I can... Uh, I'm able to capture this energy. I'm able to broadcast this energy anywhere in the world at, at this, what I would call, miniaturized version. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Now, as a, an inventor, as I, I, I'm sure we can call you, I don't know if you identify yourself as an inventor, but uh, I'll call you an inventor. Do you plan or maybe have a, a thought about patents? Because I, I hear... You know, not just with Tesla, but with a guy like John Worrell Keeley, who's maybe a lesser known, you know, free energy experimenter, inventor. Mm -hmm. And even, I'm sorry, what's his name? He's got a whole energy named after him. He was up in Maine. Never mind. Oh, uh, Oregon. Oregon Energy. Right. Thank you. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Wilhelm Reich. Wilhelm Reich. That's it. Reichian. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And even with those, I mean, there was, there was certain instances where they would patent these devices only to find that their devices would be, you know, taken away from them through certain circumstances that followed. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you planning on not taking that route? Obviously, uh, is your instrument yeah. sort of something that people can recreate themselves if they felt signed to? Very good. So learning from others, learning from the past, I will not patent this instrument. Simply stated, I don't trust the governments of the world. Why would I? No, I've, I've seen their track record. So I, my goal is to make this readily available to everybody in the world someday. And with that, I have to keep this as a grassroots approach. Meaning what? Well, as, as a grassroots approach, I will be able to, to convince the masses that this works, to convince the people. 
And if we keep this away from government and big business, it's going to work. It will happen. See, I see one of the drawbacks that Tesla had to face. He, he, was, he needed funding. Tesla needed money. And because of that, he, he ha- was beholden to too many people. And those, those international bankers made his life very difficult. So to answer your question, I'm not going to patent this. I want this to be readily available to society. I realize that efforts in the past to patent a free energy device, it's been futile. It's been futile. The government would, would not recognize such a patent. And I won't waste my time again repeating those same mistakes. Mm-hmm. So if this is in the public domain, that's the key. If this is in the public domain, it cannot be suppressed. If this is controlled by a few, it can be it can be suppressed. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm reading through some of the testimonials right now on scalarlight.com. The link is in the description for folks listening. And uh, it's wonderful to see some of these testimonials. Some of them I see Tom mentions he had a wonderful checkup at his dentist. He's been using scalar light and kind of lazy with his toothbrush. Another person also mentioned their dental health improved after uh, scalar light treatment. So, wow, this is kind of interesting. I, I myself have dealt with that sort of pain in the past. It is not fun, especially now as somebody who, you know, speaks and broadcasts, I can't risk you know having any sort of dental pain, you know, that would put me out of work for a few days. So, wow, this is pretty interesting. I, I imagine that's just the tip of the iceberg, though. It's not limited to, you know, what's going on in your mouth and and maybe for instance on the surface right like this is something that's going to be dealing with maybe a holistic approach to your health right and 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 kind of adding energy where maybe it's needed rather than the way we approach medicine from this sort of allopathic view where they're trying to treat symptoms this is sort of going to the root of of where the basis of our health is yeah just to, to further that that's one of the quantum wellness techniques. We call it a chakra balancing or a brain balancing. So that scalar energy, this animating force, has been shown to provide zest, to give us a greater sense of vitality. Now, keep in mind, we're not working with electricity. It's a different type of energy. And a scalar energy instrument seems to have a direct link to brain waves, a direct link to our chakras leading me to conclude that our brain waves and our chakras are composed of scalar energy. So if you want to see sound mental health, or, or if you want to see the chakras balance correctly, the animating force then should be scalar energy. It should not be electricity. And this is what I've seen time and time again. People will come to me. They'll be depressed. They'll have some type of a phobia. We work with them with a scalar energy instrument. And many people say that this helps them with their phobia. This helps them with addiction. This helps them come out of depression. Or many people simply say that their mental clarity is enhanced. Now, all of that that calls to mind the psychic realm or the sixth sense or the ability to, to, if you will, download or impart this divine energy into the psyche. Well, then I conclude that scalar energy is consciousness. 
And if I can work with people around the world by their photograph, and I can enhance their thinking, I can enhance their memory, or I can change their desire for a drug or an alcohol, then that's consciousness. And this is what I've tapped into. So a scalar energy instrument taps into consciousness. It, ca- it captures the own force, or it captures the what, what many people call that animating force, the life force energy. And you know, consider I'm one man, I'm one researcher. Well, if I can take it this far, how much further could the world take it now? Now that I've introduced this, what will happen? When will the world jump on the bandwagon, so to speak, and realize that we're controlling consciousness? That's what scalar energy is. Wow. Wow. The implications of that are are phenomenal. And uh, yeah, what comes to mind, I mean, I know academia is, you know, kind of slow in this realm or, or maybe a little bit unwilling to venture into certain areas, but there's one who, who, I don't know, broke the mold, Rupert Sheldrake with his yes. books that, that talk about the holographic. And I imagine that this is in in essence what we're we're talking about with the, yes. the scalar energies, these holographic, maybe, I don't want to use the term lower dimensional, but maybe more base level dimensional. Like mm-hmm. we would consider something one or two dimensional as opposed to three or four dimensional. These one or two dimensional forms make up all of the three and fourth dimensional mana in this realm, so to speak. Yeah, Rupert Sheldrake would refer to morphic fields, meaning mm. some type of information field in the universe. Well, where did the information come from in the first place? Why is there a field? Why is there a force field in the universe that carries that information? Well, in my estimation, it has to be scalar energy. Again, scalar energy is consciousness. So what, what Sheldrake was referring to, some type of morphic field, was a consciousness field. And where does that all stem from? What, what is this fountainhead? The fountainhead is scalar energy. Now, if, if you really put this into motion and you understand where we're going with this, all action in the universe initiates a scalar energy, and hence the sun and the stars do dictate our life path. You know, this gives notion to the fact many people would look to the stars to predict the future. Many people would say the stars are that animating force. They were right. Ancient civilization was correct. The sun and the star predicted our actions. And you know, what is the motivating force? It's always scalar energy from the sun and the stars. So once we really delve into this new science, we will realize that this, this, is, the, this is the PowerPoint of the universe. Scalar, he, Tesla would call it the wheel work of the universe, in which he said eventually we'll, we'll connect our inventions to this machinery and provided this kinetic energy, and he surmised it was kinetic energy, he said that this would be a bright new beginning for mankind, a world with free energy, pollution-free energy, safe energy, and this would change the world. It would, frankly, rearrange, if you will, the, the economic model. There will no longer be monopolies with free energy. And that day is coming, so... Now, keep, keep that in mind. Somehow, somewhere in the future, the world will embrace free energy. Hmm. 
Well, you're, you're definitely not alone, especially here on this show, Tom. And it's really amazing to hear that there are folks like you doing this kind of work and, and focusing on uh, what matters, especially in the past few years, you know, wherever, whatever position you're, you're, you know, whatever side you take on what occurred, you know, we call it the pandemic. you might call it yeah. the pandemic, but, but, but either way for folks listening, you know, this is something that deals with health in, in a, in a way that, well, let's just say our hospitals and, and, you know, these places that we trust as authorities of health, you know, they've lost touch with this understanding. Yes. And, and yeah, unfortunately, due to that atmosphere, that guys like yourself have to kind of go underground or take a different approach to yeah. implement these, uh, these breakthroughs, you know. And one day, hopefully, we'll live in a world where these things are accepted. I think in other countries, they're much more open to this type of stuff. Yes, they are. Uh, so that's, yeah. that's some, some, sort of silver lining to all this but what are some maybe next steps because i see you have a 15-day trial here and that's awesome yes. to hear you don't have to put your credit or debit card in you just sign up 15-day free trial try it feel it and you know what else can folks do i mean is it that simple to to it, sign up it, it is and why do we do that it, i have to prove this technology to people again this is new it's groundbreaking okay so why would I do that? I want everybody in the world to have the opportunity to register on our website for free for 15 days. Now, there are many things I can do with the scalar energy instrument, but in order to make this palatable, on that free sign-up, there's three functions. We will, number one, balance the chakras. Scalar energy will be able to balance the chakras. Um, you simply send us your photograph, and after we start working with your photograph, you're going to see your demeanor might change or you might have a very meaningful sleep pattern. Some people even say that this helps them with, again, addiction to cigarettes or alcohol or recreational drugs. So number one, we balance the chakras. Number two, my scalar energy instrument is able to look at your photograph to detect a microbe, a pathogen, and then to break apart that microbe or pathogen. So Many people approach us, let's say as an example, they, they have the hepatitis virus. My instruments will look at your photograph because your photograph is your bilocated version, so to speak. And my instruments will be able to, to ascertain not only the presence of the hepatitis virus, but the ability to, to break down the binding energy of hepatitis virus all by way of your photograph. Again, this is quantum. It's not a biological process. It's non-physical. So number two, we are able with an instrument, scalar energy instrument, to eradicate pathogens. And then finally, we're able with scalar energy to create. We can actually assemble, transmute vitamins, minerals, antioxidants. So a scalar energy instrument allows us to assemble micronutrients, vitamins, and minerals. So this is a standardized approach. And I've perfected this standardized approach over the years, all with a thought in mind, Mark, to impress upon people that this works. People want results. So when people sign up for that 15-day free session and their chakras are balancing, they, they realize that, that we can eradicate microbes and, and that in some fashion we can assemble nutrients, vitamins, and antioxidants. We do all of that through their photograph. Again, a photograph is your 
your connection to your quantum field. We, we make, we convince people, we make people believers. And there's, there's no shame from the outset because this has never been done before. So how do I prove groundbreaking research? I'm the only one in the world with these instruments. These are custom built instruments. How do I do that? Well, I do it by proving it to people, or I should say that people prove it to themselves. All, all the better, right? It's amazing stuff. And, and again, I'm looking here on scalarlight.com, folks. The link is in the description. And you're able to assemble nutrients and even disassemble things like Borrelia burgdorferi, yes. which is a, a pathogen of some kind that, that creates Lyme disease. It's a vector-borne disease. I live in, in Connecticut, right across right. from where that Wardenclyffe Tower was built. And, and of course, Lyme disease is named for Lyme, Connecticut, because it was yes. first discovered there. So yeah, I, I mean, I've known people with this sickness. It's, it's really, you know, detrimental to their life. They have to stop working. They're couch bedridden. And it's just, it's terrible, terrible stuff. But, but what people need to, and, I, and maybe I'm a little bit in the camp of, of you, with you here, but what I think really makes sense to me is that this scalar light, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's tapping into essentially what your holographic blueprint is mm -hmm. and all of these pathogens and whatnot what are these microbiotic you know assailants that are in our microbiotic environment you know a lot of them are great and, and belong there in our body part of our biome but some of them are are just you know not life oriented and Maybe those, you know, reasons for why those are here, you know, that's a question for, for, you know, a different conversation. But I think what's happening, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but the holographic blueprint is being tapped into and it's, it's sort mm -hmm. of operating the cells in this ordered state through that scalar energy that's sort of, you know, I don't know, f boosting or, or flowing through yes. your energy. Yes, yes. Now... That's, that's absolutely correct and, and well-spoken. The universe is a, hol a holographic. The universe is a hologram. It's, it's one gigantic holographic universe. And a photograph in that holographic universe simply connects to you. Everything has the ability to connect. So you, there is no point A and point B. Now, when you're driving a car, you drive from point A to point B. In a scalar energy universe, A and B are the same. They're interconnected. There is no difference between point A and point B. Now, I know that's, you know, you, you, got, you have to step back and you have to consider what I'm saying. A photograph represents a person. And you, a person does not have to visit my laboratory because in substitution, you send me, you email me your photograph. And this is so much easier working with light, with energy, and to, to effectuate, if you will, to bring about a quantum change or quantum improvement in health through a photograph as opposed to a biological change, having to work in person with a person or working with chemicals or some type of massage or surgery or some type of a, a nutrient. Mm. So if I have my druthers on always in my lifetime, I will always work with energy. Energy, again, the scan energy transcends time and space. And it's the best way 
to produce a change. Energy, scalar energy follows the laws of nature. And if you want to produce quantum wellness, the easiest way to do that is with energy. Energy never makes a mistake. This is what I love about my research. You know, I'll let your audience know I'm not a physician or a nurse. I don't have to be. Scalar energy is the healing agent. And this is, again, this is not biological health. This is informational health. Well, you know, it's not too far of a cry to compare this to a computer experience. Computers are what? Information systems. And a computer gives us the idea and the notion of what to do. Many times you'll, as an analogy, I use this frequently, you'll have architectural plans. If you want to build something, you put something on a, on a computer-aided design, and, and you can, if you will, by computer, create the template. And then from the template, from the blueprints, you build. Well, that's what a photographical person is. It's their template. And once I have their template, I can access that person. I can produce a change in that person, a quantum, a quantum change all by way of light. Again, the interface is only a photograph. A photograph is, is that entity in a morphic field, an information field, and a scalar energy force field. It recognizes your, your photograph just as it would recognize a star in outer space. So, long story short, I work with photographs, and I can improve improve the quantum health of people around the world through a photograph. That's amazing. Now, excuse this if it's a wild ball question that you're not willing to answer, but it just came to me in a sort of funny way as you're describing that. I wonder, considering I'm in haunted New England, let's say you you live in a haunted house, because I'm sure there are people out there who find themselves living in a haunted house, and considering the market or the housing market the way it is, they might not want to go and turn it around and sell right away. What if they had a photograph of this uh perp this perpetual you know, ghost that may be haunting them. Have you ever considered using this, this technology on photographs of people who have passed away? And maybe not always for the, the case of, you know, stopping them from haunting a home, but I'm sure there are other reasons why you might want to do that. Have you thought of that? Actually, we, we've thought of that. People many times will, will submit a photograph of somebody who's deceased. Why? Because people have such respect for consciousness, or what I would call the prayer of God, that people realize that they can make a connection with a person in the afterlife. Wow. And this this happens with, with many people, maybe with, with some cultures more so than others. But there are people who recognize in afterlife that there is life after death. And I have received photographs of deceased family members or even a deceased pet. And those people want me to access that deceased person or that deceased pet. Can I do that? Yes, I can. Is it valid? Sure it is. Sure it is. You know, this gives all this gives the notion to prayer. If prayer, if you can pray for somebody who's deceased, then you can treat somebody with scale energy who's deceased. All all, if you will, dovetailing into the fact that scalar energy is a form of spiritual prayer that the, the analog of, of prayer is a scalar energy instrument that is broadcasting scalar energy. So my instruments are, if you will, analogous to prayer. Wow. Wow, that's tremendous. It really is. And, and 
I really appreciate you joining me here on this show. We're coming up on the top of the hour. Is there anything you, you'd like to say before we wrap up? Any final thoughts that what you'd like to conclude with or, or things for folks to do? Mark, I, I appreciate your insight. You're, you're a gentleman and a scholar. I want to offer your audience 15 days of free session. Please go to the website, scalarlife.com. And then if your audience does avail themselves with the free sessions, then maybe later sometime we could do a follow-up and we could entertain some of the testimonies from people who have tried this unique session, this 15 days of free scalar energy session. So I'm all about proving my work. Please, those of you in the listening audience, scalarlight.com, S-C-A-L-A-R, light, L-I-G-H-T. You can send in photographs of your entire family with their permission, as well as your pets. Sign up. Let's see how you respond. And if it's favorable, maybe Mark will, will bring me back. I'd love to. Yeah. And I hope people do. And when they do, make sure you mention that you heard Tom here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I don't know if you have a a place for that. Maybe in the testimonial, they can write that in that they heard it on this show. And and that'll help us, you know, know who who, who to, you know, refer to. And Uh of course, people should email me as well, because I'd love to know. And I myself am going to be signing up and uh, I'll send you a photograph of myself and my girlfriend and see how that affects us. Because this is really interesting stuff. I hadn't quite thought of this ever before and and it's really astounding to find out that you're not only exploring this realm but you've you've invented a device that can help people implementing this scalar energy so tom paladino thank you so much for being here of course folks can go to scalarlight.com and if i'm not leaving anything out tom that's more than appreciated thank you so much and let's change the world one step at a time. This is only one application of Scalar Light, my standardized sessions. Hopefully in the future, I'll have free energy devices. Let's change the world with this technology for the better. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. And with that, folks, immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this episode with Tom Palladino. Interesting, uh, interesting topic. I personally don't know uh, how much credit I or I put into this. You know, it was a very interesting conversation. I, I will say I'm a little skeptical. So if you're feeling the same way listening, uh, I don't blame you. But hey, who knows? You know, maybe if you are inclined and you do reach out to Tom and you do pay for this scalar energy service, um, let us know if it has an effect on you. Let us know if it it makes a change. I'd love to hear people's uh, sort of uh, testimonies. There were some on the the website, but uh, I don't know. We don't know. Let's just... Let's just say Tom was a very nice guy, and uh, and I, I wish him the best. I personally, I wouldn't spend money on that at the time. But then again, um, maybe that's not an abundance mindset. I know someone, my friend Sam Tripoli, would probably 
give it a shot. He would probably go head first into uh, getting scalar energy therapy. And who knows? Maybe it will work. Maybe it wouldn't. But either way, he'd be supporting a guy who, by all appearances, seems like his heart and his intentions are in the right place. So good on you, Tom, for pushing this technology and yeah I'm, I'm excited to, to look into scalar energy more and see if Tom's the only guy with a product like this I mean I for one really I felt like the the Tesla side of the conversation was what was most interesting and given that this is a shorter conversation I feel like maybe we could spend a little bit more time than usual here in the outro uh, I have in front of me a really interesting book that I picked up a while ago. It's The Life and Times of Nikola Tesla, Biography of a Genius by Mark J. Seifer. And uh, yeah, this is it's kind of an interesting book. It, it Well, let's just read what it says on the back. Well, and I should refer... Uh, correct myself uh the book is titled wizard the life and times of nikola tesla biography of a genius wizard is a truly remarkable remarkable biography of a remarkable man the expression ahead of his time is used too loosely and too often today but in the case of nikola tesla ahead of his time barely describes the genius of this man mark seifer makes us understand not only the man but the times in which he lived and that's kind of important to the story because, you know, we hear about all of Tesla's inventions today and think, you know, geez, what a what a uh, bane it is that we haven't, you know, totally um, adopted these technologies to make a better society. You know, it seems actually that if anything, Tesla proves that our world is being controlled by certain interests who, well, they, they don't want free energy. They don't want unlimited power. They don't want this sort of potential. Maybe that's for better. Maybe they're, they're taking the Spider-Man route. Knowledge is power. <laughs> or maybe uh, the old phrase, knowledge is power and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? So who knows? Maybe it was for the better that this technology wasn't left available for the mainstream but i think it would be an overstatement to say that the technology was destroyed i think if anything they just took all of tesla's technology and put it into these black budget programs but yeah tesla very interesting book i have about him here uh, the author goes through great lengths to uh, gather as much information uh, about Tesla as possible and he, he uses Tesla's own writings and letters to do that which is always cool you can sort of read Tesla's own words that's what I'm looking for right now here's a good one this is this is from chapter 43 the time period is 1918 to 1927 I've been feeding pigeons, thousands of them, for years, but there was one, a beautiful bird, pure white, with light gray tips on its wings. That one was different. It was a female. I had only to wish and call her, and she would come flying to me. 
I loved that pigeon as a man loves a woman, and she loved me. As long as I had her, there was a purpose to my life. Isn't that interesting? I I remember, I don't know if it was a cartoon like Hey Arnold or if it was a Spider-Man cartoon. I think it was Hey Arnold, right? Hey Arnold had the, the pigeon lady. It's interesting. People in cities, and they, they take care of these pigeons, and they seem mystical. Who knows? Maybe I'll end up on a rooftop somewhere one day with a bunch of pigeons. That sounds like an interesting animal to forge a connection with. A pigeon. Kind of things does a New York City pigeon see. I think Tesla might have been in New York City at some point in his life. Ah, here's something interesting. Uh, Dear Mr. Tesla, I'm happy to hear that you're celebrating your 75th birthday. And that as a successful pioneer in the field of high-frequency currents, you've been able to witness the wonderful development of this field of technology. I congratulate you on the magnificent success of your life's work. Albert Einstein, June 1931. Wow, that's fascinating. They were in correspondence with one another. I wonder if Tesla thought Einstein was a dummy. (laughs) For the balance of the wizard's life, he would continue to speak cryptically about a number of entirely new and revolutionary inventions. These included a machine for harnessing cosmic rays, a means for transmitting mechanical energy, a particle beam weapon, and a mechanism for communicating with other planets. In addition, Tesla also continued to refer to his Wardenclyffe idea. The identification of each separate invention became a somewhat confusing task for journalists and researchers because because each of these ideas involves the transmission of energy to distant places, and the third invention, the so-called death ray, apparently in its final form, comprised features from some, if not all, of the other inventions. Throughout Tesla's 70s, that is, from the mid-1920s until about 1934, Tesla continued his practice of traveling to industrial centers throughout the Northeast and Midwest in his quest to market his wares. Huh, interesting. While commuting to Philadelphia during the years 1924 to 1925 to work on his gasoline turbine, Tesla met with John B. Flowers, inspector of airplanes and engines, at the local naval aircraft factory. He had known the inspector since 1917, as it became more apparent that the bladeless turbine was stuck in the endless cycle of research and development. Tesla returned to his first love, wireless transmission of power, and began a publicity campaign to espouse its merits by implementing a series of central stations to pump pump energy into the ground and surrounding medium. The ultimate conservationist pragmatist theorized that airplanes and automobiles equipped with specially designed receiving devices could operate without fuel on board. They would simply derive their power from his towers. On October 10, 1925, Flowers traveled to New York City to confer with the wizard in his suite at the Hotel Pennsylvania. There, they drafted out the entire scheme so that it would be presented to physicist J.H. Dillinger, head of the Radio Laboratory Bureau of Standards in Washington, D.C., 
in a carefully worded 10-page document completed with schematic drawings of the earth imbued with Tesla's created standing waves, Flowers unveiled a plan for operating cars and planes powered by electromagnetism. Dr. Tesla said that the wireless power systems would supply power to airplanes at any point around the Earth. Flowers told Dillinger, in addition, Flowers continued, Dr. Tesla has already developed the oscillator to provide the power and is willing to furnish the U.S. government his plans if they agree to build the plant. Flowers also set up a meeting in Washington to go over the proposal. In the interim, Dillinger referred the proposal to H.L. Curtis, a fellow expert. After canny consideration, Curtis rejected the plan, his main objection being that as he understood it, Tesla's scheme was to create standing electrical waves around the Earth as a sphere, there would then be considerable concentration of energy at the nodes, and it was at the nodal points Tesla expected to develop his energy. The system proposed by Mr. Flowers does not have this feature. He proposes to collect energy at any point. Thus, some means would have to be devised for concentrating this energy and making it available. No such method is proposed, and I do not think of any that appears feasible. Furthermore, I do not know of any wireless apparatus of sufficient magnitude to warrant the expectations that pow power can be economically transmitted by radio methods. The basic criticism that the energy would not be available at any point of the globe, but only at the nodal points, was countered on numerous occasions by Tesla. Although apparently the towers which were not near power sources would have to be placed at nodal points. One of Tesla's favorite analogies was to view electricity as a kind of fluid and his magnifying transmitters as a series of pumps. Just as with a hydraulic system, the fluid would be present at all points in equal pressure, so too would Tesla's electric oscillations. oscillations. And just as electrical energy is present in every connected electrical outlet in the world but is not used until an appliance is plugged in, so too was Tesla's electricity available but not used until the receiver was turned on. So essentially, you sort of have a, uh, a miscommunication going on there with, with these <clears throat> so-called experts and the innovator, right? The, the experts say, oh, well... If those towers give off the power, then, you know, the power is only going to be near the tower. So this doesn't make sense. And, and Tesla's saying, no, you've got it all wrong. You're not understanding the way this power works, right? This is more like a fluid. It flows between the towers. And as long as there's a constant pressure, any device with the appropriate receiver can navigate along those electrical oscillations. So, wow, fascinating stuff. I didn't expect for us to take that kind of dive, but I thought, hey, why not pull this book off of the bookshelf? I have so many books. Why not integrate them into the show here? So here we are, episode 260, or no, 279. 279. 
And I know that because episode 277 was with Crow Triple Seven. I don't know how that always works out, but we happen to have Crow Triple Seven on both of the uh, 77 episodes. 177 and 277. Very cool. Anyways, hope you liked that interview. Hope you liked this one with Tom Palladino. If you want to hear more bonus content, you know where to go. Patreon, Rockfin, Substack. We've got a whole catalog of episodes that isn't available here on this feed. So whether you're subscribed on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to the show, go over to Patreon, Substack, and Rockfin and support the show. Sign up. You're missing out on good content. And speaking of good content, I just wrote the third edition of the scene uh, it's 44 pages so i'm charging i was going to charge 12 dollars, but i decided that's too much we'll charge nine dollars one dollar more than the first two and yeah it's you know pay whatever you want nine dollars is the minimum but if you want to support the show and pick up a really cool book that took me a while to put together go and pick it up link is in the description and i would really appreciate it it's uh it's titled aesthetic an architectural symbolic comparative inquiry into toponomical intelligence and culture so it's a mouthful and it's not just for people who live near new haven you could soak in the information in this book and use it possibly to decode wherever you live so uh yeah go pick that up today and that's all i gotta say for this episode thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now so um, we've had a good couple of weeks of shows you know mark is doing a great job even yeah. though he drives me fucking nuts sometimes <laughs> he's great no he's done a great job he's done a great job good job mark you can call uh me mark palmer mark palmer's cool mark palmer's it's a beautiful day Blurred lines between reality and fiction 
And some politicians get dirtier than dishes But for a minute just forget about the government I'm looking at you and I and where the love went Cause we don't need a fucking village full of cynics Need a family to foster a life worth living if it isn't And your family think you crazy, yeah And you ain't got a village I know you always got a place here Come kick it, we chillin', yeah I'm a conspiracy boy Mark Palmer's cool. How are you, brother? I'm great, man. How are you?